All right. Uh, let me tell you about Built Bar. Uh, this is a protein bar that uh, that's how my wife sold it to me. Glenn, it's a protein bar. It's really good. I'm like, I don't. Why would I want a protein bar? Why? why? The terrible salesmanship. Salesman. Know your audience. Yes, thank you. you know? You'd think she'd know after living. See, I found these candy bars. They're amazing. They're amazing. Right? If she would have sold it to me like that. I would have I would have eaten them immediately. Did you hear that? What's new from the Mars Corporation? You've been like all in. <laughs> all right, right, right. You know the people uh, the people that make chocolate chip mint ice cream. They're making a a chocolate made with real chocolate, a chocolate uh, mint brownie bar. Mm, I am in. there. You would have tried it on I day there. one, right? And you, if she would have taken the wrapper off that says you know healthy protein, blah blah blah. Uh, I would have bought it. I would have bought it the whole time. It would have been like, this is my favorite candy bar. They should do that. They should make up alternate wrappers that don't say the healthy stuff. <laughs> right. Right. Like it should right. just say like 812 calories. Because it is <laughs> It is so good. It's like 120 calories. Right. But four, if you don't know that. Four net uh, carbs, uh, grams of carbs. They're really good. It's Built Bar. Go to Built.com. Built.com. Use Beck 15 and save 15% off your first order. It's promo code Beck 15 at Built.com. They're yummy. This is the Glenn Beck Program, and tonight at 9 p.m., we go back and review some of the things that we knew then and know now about the coronavirus. One of the guys who I found uh, very refreshing at the, the earliest stage of this, when we knew absolutely nothing about it, was a very very reasonable scientist uh who said look i you know we don't know i think we should take these precautions yada yada uh and uh he said at the time it it looks like this is not man-made well now he's kind of hedged that uh and uh, said you know i think there's more to look at an honest one we're going to talk to him about covid in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. I know how you're feeling uh, if you're in pain. I know everybody can see it as you move throughout your day. I thought I was hiding it yesterday. Uh, my back was just killing me yesterday. And uh, I have these days where it, it comes and goes. And I was standing talking to David Barton and we were teaching a class. And I'm um, standing there, and David said, your back hurts? And I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, the way you're standing? Everything changes when you are in real, real pain. Uh, I will tell you that I was in pain every single day to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. And I said to David, he said, uh, is it getting better or worse? And I said, I could live like this for the rest of my life. It's nothing like it used to be. Nothing because of relief factors and most days i don't have any pain relief factor it's not a drug developed by doctors and 70 percent of the people who try it go on to order more that's what i like about them they'll say if you're going to see any results you'll see it in three weeks it's not like just keep taking it 
Just keep taking it. If you don't see results in three weeks, stop taking it. If you if you do see results, continue to take it. Relieffactor.com. 800-583-84. Relieffactor.com. It seems like a thousand years ago, but when the pandemic first began, uh, we talked about... Uh, uh, you know what to do and i did an interview with uh, dr ian lipkin he is the uh, director for the center for infection and in, uh, immunity at columbia university and um we spoke about what he was doing he was he was uh, quarantining himself not because he was told to just because he felt it was the right thing to do and it was at that time and we welcome uh, dr ian lipkin to the program again hi doctor how are you Good to be with you, Glenn. Yeah, thank you. So did you ever get the virus? I did in March of 2010. So I actually went into quarantine three times. Wait, 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 wait. March of 2010. Yes. Excuse me, of 2020. Okay. (laughs) All right. I was like, whoa. (laughs) It was here a lot longer. (laughs) As you said, it seems like forever. Yeah, it does. I guess it feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, So when I came back from China in February, I was fine, but I was put into quarantine nonetheless, which I think was appropriate. Right. I then became ill in March in New York. This time it was the strain of the virus that had come via Europe. Uh, so that put me out of commission for a while, and then uh, we had an infection in our lab. It what probably didn't occur in the lab, but somebody in the lab became infected, so we had to shut down yet again. So I've had three episodes of you know of forced isolation. Mm. Um, when we spoke last time, uh, and I just read the transcript uh, again before the program today, and I I was. Uh, I was impressed with the way you handled things. And both of us, we were like, look, I, I want to be a good American. I want to be a good uh, human being. And both of us spoke in in uh, in ways where we were both saying, we don't know anything yet. We have no idea what we're dealing with. Could be really bad. Could be not as bad. But we should take these these actions. You told me in that interview um, that the origins of COVID-19 you thought were natural, but it was kind of, you weren't married to that. You were just saying, I, I think they're natural. You, uh, I recently saw an article with uh, Donald McNeil where the two of you were discussing a recent uh, revelation that Dr. Xi in Wuhan was doing coronavirus experiments under uh, biosafety level uh, two conditions. Did this change the conversation at all in your viewpoint? It hasn't changed my uh, insight into where this thing originated. We still think it began in wildlife. And there's no evidence that there are any specific experiments that were conducted by her or anyone else that led to a more transmissible virus. What I was telling Donald at the time was that I thought that it was inappropriate to study potentially lethal infectious agents, except under high levels of biocontainment. That's what we do in New York. That's what we do in the U.S. And I think it's something that should be done worldwide. We need to have international specifications for this kind of research. I mean, don't you think it was really irresponsible of us to to ban it here uh, and then give it uh, give it over to the Chinese knowing 
we we know now we knew how bad that lab was for biosafety. I mean, I have no problem if you want to do it. I, I don't think I'm for it. Um, but if you, if you want to do it, let's do it in our labs in the deepest, darkest place we have. Well, people are going to do research globally. It's not something that's going to be unique to the United States. But I do think it makes sense for us to implement internationally standards by which people do this kind of research. Now, the kind of research that we're talking about is gain-of-function research, which is research that is designed to identify how viruses or bacteria, for that matter, cause infections, how they cause disease. And this kind of research is what gets us to the solutions so that when something naturally emerges or unnaturally emerges, we have a way in which we can address it. So it's very important research. But as you've said, it has to be conducted safely and rigorously and with appropriate safeguards. So this is the argument that is being debated right now, whether it was natural or it was created. Um, uh, let me ask you this. Couldn't both of those things be true? A, a, a recent study published by the Chinese researchers detailed their work exposing mice with humanized lungs to coronavirus. Couldn't COVID-19 have evolved naturally within the mice and then jump to humans? So let me just walk back to what we now know about the origins of the virus, because I think that's helpful in elucidating the problem. There's more and more evidence coming out now to suggest that the virus was outside of China as early as October or November of 2019. Yeah. So this, although we became really aware of what was going on in December in Wuhan, mm -hmm. it may well have started earlier there or someplace else. I'm not suggesting that I that I buy the idea that this thing came from the United States and went to China or any any other such, you know, sort of just stories that you may hear. But I think that we know so little still about the origins of this virus when it first emerged in humans whether or not there was an intermediate animal, that this is all speculation that's simply not going to get us anywhere. So why would it be, why would we find it elsewhere? And then Wuhan was just this wildfire. Well, because it probably, if I had to speculate as to its origins, it was somewhere in the vicinity of Wuhan or Guangzhou, where you had a lot of wildlife, one of the things that we've learned is that there were wildlife markets that were operational in the vicinity of Wuhan with tens of thousands of animals prior to the onset of, you know, of the epidemic in, um, in Wuhan that subsequently became a pandemic. Now, whether these were animals that came from someplace else in South Asia, we don't know. We also don't know whether or not there might have been some intermediate animal. We also don't know whether or not somebody inadvertently was exposed during the course of work in a laboratory. Now, what I can say is that even if we had wanted to create this virus, and I think we have people who know as much about these kinds of viruses in the U.S. and in Europe as elsewhere, we would not have known what to do. That's the best argument I can make for the fact that I don't think anybody deliberately created this agent. But that's no excuse you know, for sloppiness in terms of the way these agents are handled. So uh, let me ask you this, um, because I, I asked you to be on today 
um, because you were one of the first guys that I talked to, and I thought you had uh, a lot of credibility. You were very, you were open to all possibilities, um, and it is it's hard to find what is really going on uh, now. Uh, even though I, I am, I'm not claiming that we do know. But I don't know, even know who to trust um, in the, this research that was going on in Wuhan lab, the scientific community, the government, everybody, uh, including a colleague of yours, Peter Daszak, uh, have been involved in this. And many of these guys are the staunch critics of the lab leak hypothesis. What I'm asking you is. I think this is what Eisenhower warned against when there is so much money involved and now politics involved. How do we trust what what we're finding? How do we trust the people who are telling us these things? This is a huge challenge, Glenn. I agree. It's sort of remember when Rumsfeld said we have known knowns and known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Right. We have all three of these here. We don't really understand where this virus came from. We don't know how long it was circulating before we came aware of its presence. We do know a few things. We know that it's risky to work with these kinds of agents without appropriate biocontainment. We know that wildlife markets are an extraordinary source of risk and they need to be shut down. And we know that we need to have transparency in the way investigations are done. And they should be done by people who do not have any real or apparent conflicts of interest. Now, for example, I would not be the appropriate person to be engaged to go to China and try to figure out whether or not there was something that was going that was awry. But there are people who have no conflict of interest, and I think they should be engaged to go in and try to figure out what we can know. Now, the way we will do this is to look for samples that precede the Wuhan outbreak that show evidence that there was an infection there, right? And that would include looking at, you know, at whatever we can find in laboratories, in animals, antibodies in people that indicate exposure. We also need to investigate some reports now that there were, uh, that there was virus in Milan there uh, in 2019. Um, so there are a whole system here is and there's also some antibody data from American blood banks that suggests that there were people who were infected with the virus in 2019 as well. So all of this leads me to tell you that we're not a hell of a lot closer than we were when you and I first spoke. Now, the one thing I can tell you, which is extraordinary, is that as a result of what was done in the first Bush administration, that was followed up with Obama, where we started pushing for vaccines and the other things, we have the best tools in the world. And we should be extraordinarily proud of what's been achieved, because vaccination is the way out here. The question is whether or not we can vaccinate the rest of the world, too. I know it sounds like a huge investment for the U.S., but I have to tell you that until the whole world is safe, this thing is going to ping pong back and forth between the developing world and the developed world. It's not going to go away. How do we uh, I mean, so I'm still having a hard time with the trust on this and not on the vaccine. I mean, I don't have a problem with the vaccine. Take the vaccine. I wouldn't give it to my children. Uh, I mean, it's not even approved for children uh, yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, how do we go back to trust? How do we trust anything? I mean, they 
it, we now know that scientists were involved in shutting down the lab leak theory um, because of their hatred for Donald Trump. And uh, the press went along with it. There's there's just so much politics in all of this. There's a lot of politics in it. I will. I have to say that knowing many of these people as I do, I don't think that it had anything to do with Donald Trump. I think they honestly believe that they're sincere in their belief that there was no evidence for a lab leak. The problem here is that if you're thinking in terms of criminal law, you say you have to prove something yes. beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's not what we're dealing with here, because if you make a mistake, everyone's on the hook, right? So what we have to do is to proactively do the following. We have to shut down the wild animal marks, markets wherever they are. We have to ensure that there's an international standard for reviewing how labs run this kind of research to ensure that nothing like this ever happens again. And we also have to invest in our own infrastructure and the infrastructure around the world so that if something like this occurs, we have the situational awareness to respond rapidly and make sure that we never look again, look at 6 million people dying, $22 trillion in our treasury lost, and so forth. I mean, this is this is the worst nightmare of my dreams, far worse than the move we made, Contagion. But I have to say that leadership has failed us globally. Um, so we need to uh, we need to do something different going forward. And we need to, scientists really do want your trust. I have to tell you that, you know, there's disagreement among scientists as to whether or not, you know, this is appropriate or that's appropriate mm -hmm. or which theory is most applicable. Uh, and that's the nature of scientific discourse. Exactly we argue, right. We argue until yeah. we get get to the truth. Right. And that is what is being uh, shuttered uh, in so many different ways. And that's what makes people cautious. We need to have open debates and listen to all sides on on everything. But, but when when it comes to science, no scientist should ever feel uh, that, uh, that that they can't say something because of politics or or money, uh, especially. Uh, Dr. Ian Lipkin, thank you so much. I appreciate it. God bless. My pleasure. You bye bet. Bye. It's almost a rite of passage to join a benefits group when you climb up into your 50s, isn't it? Yeah. Have you done it yet? If so, who would you choose? I think you ought to consider for a second option. Take a take a look at the Association of Mature American Citizens or AMAC. If you haven't joined one, let me tell you why AMAC is the way to go. Not only are you looking at a wealth of amazing benefits, things like insurance and travel discounts, but you're also going to find things that if you've joined a group that um, pushes back against the crazy left, you're going to find this everywhere through AMAC. Um, their constant efforts to legislate this country out of existence in Washington is something that AMAC stands against in real ways. And they're also a source of uncensored information that you can trust, complete with newsletters, videos, podcasts, fresh website content, and a bi-monthly magazine. Over a quarter of a million AMAC members have directly participated in AMAC's outreach campaign. Congress is hearing the voice of AMAC. Remember, at the, uh, the height of the NRA, I think they had about 5 million members. I think they probably still do, but they had 5 million members. They were such a powerhouse because people were united behind one cause. Unite behind AMAC. Advocacy, benefits, and information. America needs AMAC. So do you.
Go to AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Beck. A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. As uh, Dr. Lipkin said, uh, you know, I wouldn't be the best guy to investigate uh, this. That is because he does a lot of work with the Chinese government. At least he is open and honest about that. But uh, it makes you question. And that is the biggest problem. If you have transparency everywhere, then it's not a problem. But we didn't have transparency with Dr. Fauci. We, we didn't have transparency in a lot of places. And as far as China goes, I mean, they've, they still to this day have not turned over no. the files from this lab. They still to this day. I mean, they they've, were caught recently uh, eliminating a very similar genetic sequence from records across the world. Uh-huh. Uh, ahead of when we knew the outbreak actually occurred. Uh, and that was caused, you know, by like, uh, you know, like a group of, people trying to understand the origin who've been working online. And I, and I go back and forth on this in that, like he's, what he's saying is true. And that there is not, I think maybe in talk radio circles and stuff, we kind of say, okay, it's the Chinese lab leak. And that was what happened. And I think it's definitely a a, a real possibility. Mm -hmm. The scientists don't they don't feel like they have that confirmed yet. I mean, I look at it as more like a, I don't want to say journalists because we're not journalists, but we go through this every day. We analyze news. We look at this. We, if, if anything, we've looked at this and looked at commun- communist governments and how they treat information and have a real background in looking at that. Mm-hmm. So looking at it from that perspective, it to me screams lab leak theory or worse. Uh, scient- of course, I just don't have the expertise in breaking down a genome to be able to really Correct. track this. And the scientists... Are, are more split on it than I think at times conservative media acknowledges or oh, liberal the op- and the li- opposite yeah. of what liberal media says, where yeah. they say there's no they've been saying for for a long time. Lab leaks, not even a possibility. Are, they were split on that the entire right. time as well. There are there are good cases to be made on uh, both sides. But tonight I want to show you what we thought and we think is happening mm-hmm. and happened. Uh, if it is proven that it is a lab leak, uh, then we're in a whole different ballgame uh, because there was a cover up that that happened. Uh, and I'm going to lay it all out on a chalkboard tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern on blaze TV dot com slash Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck program. So I love a great movie and what ruins even a great movie is squirming. Uh, And that's because there's some piece of graphic content out there, violence, extreme language, whatever uh, that, uh, you know, fire up usually when your kids walk up, uh, walk in. Always that moment. It's always that moment. If there's an F word in a movie, there's a magnet that is drawn to when your child walks in the room. I I swear to you, that is. There is a service called VidAngel, and VidAngel gives you control over the content in your home. I I am not for censors. I am for you being able to censor. 
you want it in your home, great. And you set it. And that's what VidAngel does. You set the screening process. So it, it, it will come and skip only the parts that you say, hey, I don't want that word. I don't want this kind of scene. I don't, I'll take violence up to this level. And so it's all personalized to you and your family. 2,500 movies, 11,000 TV episodes, and new ones added every single week. Trust me, go to vidangelbeck.com and sign up. Use the promo code BECK1, vidangelbeck.com. You're not going to want to miss tonight's show on COVID and where it came from. blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks. Well, Cuba has gotten bad quickly. About 100 people have just disappeared uh, from Cuba that were some staunch supporters and out in the... Uh, out in the streets protesting the government of cuba they've just disappeared i mean what could have happened to them Stu? i mean they're just gone all of a sudden well it's hiking season actually in, in cuba. cuba right now yeah so a lot really? of times there's a lot of long walks that people go on huh. they go into the 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 mountains right and is this avalanche season it is avalanche really? that's right when they wow. go hiking huh. a lot of times avalanches mm-hmm. will crush uh <laughs> protesters many people who happen to be protesting <laughs> right. and no 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 okay party well, officials see that's why you listen to the news because mm-hmm. you can get the full story like the hiking season mm-hmm. epidemic uh the loss of, of terrible of protesters of dissidents in cuban it's in almost, cuba that's weird it's just i don't know why these uh opponents of the regime are such big fans of hiking <laughs> they right. all is almost exclusively right. Hiking. Well, the rest of them are taking tours of the prisons. Right. Uh, and they're just, you know, they just love prison tours. You mean the free housing they're getting? The free housing. Yeah. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Exactly right. Uh, so things are getting really bad for the Cuban people. They are on the streets um, now chanting, where's Biden? Where's Biden? Mm, I think Biden thinks that uh, several times a day himself, uh, but I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, what's happening there is the people have had enough. And this is one of those moments where the Democrats are going to screw it up again, uh, where people have a chance to have freedom if they would just get the support of America. Uh, The regime is weak. Cuba could be free. And uh, we're going to blow it again. Where is Biden on this? Where is the administration? Where is the support of these people? You know, 470 people have got onto a raft or something and they've tried to come to the United States from Cuba and we have turned them away. Mm. And the administration has said, we want to make sure that you understand we're sending you back. You're not coming into the United States. I guess Cubans are the wrong brown people. Is that mm. is that right? They always vote the wrong way. That's the problem. Oh, but that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Send them, yeah. send back them. Send back them. Send back yeah. them. Build back better and send back them. <laughs> I, yeah. I like it. That's the plan. <laughs> By the way, I uh, tweeted something to the Cuban people taking a brave stand against socialism. We support you. Um, I got a Twitter response from the Socialist Party of America mm-hmm. to the ignorant who keeps saying Cuba has socialism. There are three important facts. I think they're talking about Michael Moore, right? He certainly said that they yeah, had yeah. Uh, all so, sorts of wonderful, glorious agree, socialist health I care. agree with them that he is ignorant. Socialism means a society with no ruling class. 
Mm, it's always meant that throughout history. Oh, mm. wait, it's never been tried correctly. That's, that's why. why all that's, these, why. that's why you have a you know, right. nine-figure death tolls right. every century. Uh, socialism is a society where the people own the means of production, not the elite. See, what you're talking about, I hate to point this out to the socialist parties, but what you're talking about is communism. Communism is that. Everything else has been socialism. I mean, I hate to, you know, go to Marx on stuff like this, but socialism is the step in between. It's where the heavy hand needs to be uh, needs to come down on people to change that society, to get everybody to go. We're all in this together and I don't care about status or who owns what. We're all just going to share and we're going to live like Jesus. That is communism. Communism has never happened. It never gets past the brutality stage because it's the complete opposite of everything that humans uh, experience and feel and want. But by these standards, capitalism has never been tried either. I mean, like there it's a of course purely every single thing the way that mark set it up uh, you know it's never going to be perfect but these are correct. largely socialist largely communist countries correct. right correct and like you know it's it's it, uh, certainly i can complain and say that this would be better if we were more capitalist however you know this is generally a capitalist country and that's why you've seen the benefits cuba generally communist country or socialist country and largely, we've seen where that leads. Yeah, death, to, you know, death, death and, and misery. despair and tragedy for decades and decades and decades on end. Mm-hmm. And it could end now mm-hmm. if Americans would stand up and stand with the Cuban people. We stand with you. We stand with you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up uh, next hour. By the way, uh, Vice uh, has. Uh, has done their research on and they caught us at CPAC. Man, they, they caught, caught you? Yeah, they caught us. Where did they catch you? On stage? Yeah, they caught mm-hmm. me on stage. Oh, no. uh, conservative radio host Glenn Beck showed off a KKK hood on stage <laughs> before going to compare the Ku Klux Klan to Antifa. I mean, most people would do what they could to avoid that headline. Yeah. Not you. Yeah. Most people would try to maybe. I can't yeah. tell you how many times we've been to these muse- <laughs> museums and. And Glenn has got his giant display of some terrible thing from history. Like, I remember one time in particular, there were these giant Nazi flags that you got from somewhere. And mm-hmm. you were talking about the horrors of the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. And some local media person comes in. They're like, uh, Glenn, can we talk to you? Yes. And you're like, yeah, sure. And you start the interview. And I'm like, I'm looking at and all I see is the background of you standing in front of these giant Nazi flags on television. And theoretically, it's something you try to avoid. I would try to avoid. There's a PR sort well, of lesson. Well, here on the CPAC speech in particular, <laughs> I had an hour to speak. Yes. Uh, and uh, and so I knew I could put it into context. And I said at the very beginning, they're going to take things out of context. But, you know, it's time to show the truth. And I showed where the Klan came from. You know, the Klan was a Democratic party enforcement arm mm-hmm. period it wasn't something else it was like oh you know what uh let's see if we can talk those clan members into being democrats no 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 it was started by the democrats to be an enforcement arm to make sure that no uppity blacks uh or any uppity whites were <laughs> gonna be fighting for for voting rights for black people 
because they got to be kept in place. That is a Democratic arm. And I just want to do a show. And so I did bring, I did bring, I think this is one of the most horrifying things. I'm just horrifying. This is from around the time of Reconstruction. Mm. This is the pieces of a Klan mask. Uh, and it is truly terrifying. Truly terrifying. Um, but I don't have it because I'm for the Klan. I have it because I'm against the Klan and Vice. Oh, my gosh. You guys are such good journalists. You you just saw pictures. Mm, I, I like I like to get all of my uh, all of my facts from books with pictures in them. I can't take the time to read any of the words or listen to the context. I just picture, picture, picture. So all the best journalism is on Instagram. That's exactly exactly and right. Pinterest. They also said backstage after his speech, Beck was showing off other pieces from his extensive collection, including Nazi armbands worn by victims of Hitler's Germany. Uh, hmm. I don't know where you got that because I didn't do that. I mean, I have that collection of Nazi armbands. I mean, you <laughs> want to come over, I'll show you. I mean, you got to see the electric chair. Mm. It is unbelievable. It's either number one or number two from the New York penitentiary. See, I collect the dark side of history. David Barton collects all of the good things of American history. I want to be able to show both sides so you can decide. So nobody's walking around going, America is the greatest place ever and we've never done anything wrong. No, it is the greatest place that man has devised so far, uh, but we've done a lot of wrong and we learn from that so we don't do it again. So when we, when we see symbols and we're like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. The Native Americans had it turned around the other way. So did the Hindus. They had it turned over the other way, and it was a square. But Hitler, you're going to love this fact, Hitler took that sign of peace and flipped it the other way and then had it on an angle. Why did he have it on an angle? Because he believed in socialist progress. He was a progressive Mm. Did you know that? Probably not. Because there's a picture. I just want to show a picture, 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 picture. So their their evidence was that you sh- you showed uh, a KKK hood, but you said, of course, obviously it was in a negative light. But they tried to say it was in a positive light, or how, how did they how did yeah, they frame it? So uh, Glenn Beck uh, held up a KKK hood from his personal collection. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's technically accurate, but I think frames it a little bit incorrectly. Yeah, you kind of leave out the part where I talked about our museum yeah. uh, that has artifacts of, um, you know, more founding documents, more documents on the American founding prior to 1812 outside of the Library of Congress and the National Archives. Other know, than that. Pretty good. Other than that. Uh, and I know. will say, too, it, technically, it's probably out of the museum collections. It's not even it your is. personal collection. Some of these things are mine. Some of them are not. Uh, you lend them all to the I museum lend, all I, the time I, anyway. I, yeah. yeah, you buy buy stuff and then, you know, put it over the museum or, or whatever. So, But it's funny that the, the instead of saying, like, he talked about the horrors of the Democrat-led Ku Klux, no, no, no. Ku Klux Klan. In the middle of his CPAC speech defending the United States record on slavery. 
Oh, that's what you did? Wow, that's a shocking yeah, that's a shock. development. I've heard you talk yeah. about slavery thousands of times. I've never heard you once defend it. Yeah, it's, well, that You weird. picked that one time to start defending well, slavery. Well, I thought it was the time to come out. I thought it was the time to come out and do that. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. or a, not. I would or say it's the exact opposite. Hmm. Here's the thing. Um, they can't defend themselves at all. So they have to uh, take and twist lies. Um, and take these lies and push them everywhere they can. Twist everything that they can into a negative and into a dark place. You want the truth? You want the beginning or uh, uh, the beginning of an understanding of where you should start seeking the truth? Watch my CPAC speech. See if you know half of it. See if you know half of what I talked about. If you don't, maybe you should go back and look at original sources on American history. No, I want you to have pictures. I want pictures. Um, you know, if you don't have some sort of um, system like LifeLock, in fact, I think it's LifeLock is the best. But if, if you don't have something like LifeLock right now, you're basically walking down a dimly lit alley at night, you know, with your wallet going, hey, everybody, I got free money in my wallet and I got credit cards and everything. Come and get it. And you're smarter than that. I know you are. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft affect our lives. And it might be cybercrime, but it is real crime. And every day we put our whole life at risk on the Internet. LifeLock will detect a wide range of identity th uh, threats. They can't you know, protect you from everything. Nobody can. It's constantly expanding but if they detect your information has been compromised they're going to send you an alert plus you have access to a dedicated restoration specialist if you become a victim join now save up to 25 percent off your first year at lifelock.com with the promo code beck call 1-800-lifelock 1-800-lifelock or head to lifelock.com use the promo code beck 25 percent off do it now you are listening to the glenn beck program Oh, let me tell you, the art world has just embraced me uh, so, no. I mean... You were the 100th most important person in the world of art. I think once you are, you always are. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that art magazine uh, did that uh, as a joke. Uh, I disagree year. it was a joke. I, I always you, took it seriously. I, well, I did too, mm -hmm. and I'm a doctor. Uh, I'm a colonel. I'm a Kentucky colonel. Um, I'm a reverend. Mm -hmm. uh, from the Church of Universal Life. I'm also a priest in my, in my church. So I am a Reverend Dr. Priest, Colonel Beck. That's what I am. You have an almost unlimited amount of titles. Right. And so I know. Mm -hmm. I know these things. Um, but uh, they've just embraced me so much, so much. Uh, and gosh, I just appreciate that. I do. Um, I, have, I have one gallery out there who's like, they're just totally total defenders. They're just great, great people. They don't all agree with me politically. Great, great people. And I just know, I just know other galleries are like, oh, we cannot speak to them anymore. Mm. We cannot speak to them. Um, but anyway, uh, the deal is with my artwork, unlike Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, yeah. Hunter Biden, mm -hmm. you don't get to meet my dad. No, no, that would be it'd be creepy at this point. He's been dead for a few years, so it'd be really creepy. But I want you to know that if you buy one of my pieces of art, you don't meet my dad. 
Look, the fact that we now have evidence that Hunter Biden was doing deals uh, in Central America and then shuttling up multiple billionaires to meet in the vice presidential uh, residence, that's not something that's worth reporting on. No. By the media at all. No. And the fact that now he's taking in seventy-five dollars to $500,000 for paintings, even though I believe it was the former Obama ethics advisor who uh, said he's never even done as much as a community art show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's totally okay and not suspicious at all. Well, he makes them with a straw. I think it's a Coke straw, but he makes them with a straw. So <laughs> well, he has the straws uh, that are lying around. And some of them, I think he's going to glue some macaroni on some of them. So, I mean, they're worth 500 grand, but Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, we have Peter Schweitzer on the Ooh, yeah. uh, the art of the deal, me, the Biden edition. Uh, let me see a quick preview on Peter Schweitzer and see how much we can get out of him on this. Oh, he's I know. on he's on Stu Does America the other night, mm-hmm. and I asked him a question, and he just sort of blurts out that he has the Hunter Biden laptop. He has it. Like he has all of. We're going in to talk to him about the Biden thing. That's our cover. <laughs> That's our cover. Tell me about Biden. So, uh, so what about that laptop? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to miss this interview uh, with Peter Schweitzer. Coming up next.